Okay, it's on? It's on. You guys, wait, is your mic working? Um, is it working? Yeah, yeah it's working because there's my... Okay. Hello. Welcome back to Redefine Fitness. This is Kelsey Wells. And you guys, today I have on our very first podcast guest. <laughs> I know I said that I would not be doing a podcast episode this week because I am out of town, but I convinced my dear friend to join me on the podcast instead of skipping it. And she just happened to have all the equipment. We have nothing planned. We don't know what we're going to say, but this podcast, as hopefully you guys are starting to feel by now is all about doing things authentically and sharing the learnings and lessons from my career and my experiences, both personal and professional that I feel will help you on your journey the very most. The guests on this podcast are going to vary widely. It will be members of the community that has trained with me, that have trained with me for years. It will be some mental health professionals, other types of professionals. And it will also be women who I feel are living in their truth and really embodying what a self-empowered life looks like. And of all the women that I know, very few fit that so much as my friend Larkin Kendall. She wow. is here. Quite the high <laughs> praise from someone like you, that's for sure. Look, you know that it's true. And let me give them a little background before you we dive in. Yeah, absolutely. Larkin is one of the greatest photographers on the face of the earth. I don't say that lightly. I just did a post all about this, so please go reference that. Read the whole thing. But, I mean, she's been published in everything. She's the most sought-after wedding photographer. One of the most in the world, truly. So you can't sweet. argue with those. Those You're are so facts. Um but her journey to get there is not what you'd expect. And on top of her, her career and being at the top of her industry, she is a mother of three. She is a wife. Um, she's been with her partner for 19 years. Yeah. 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 Wow. Yeah. That's just <laughs> um, a shocking number. She's a mama to two goats, mm-hmm. pretty much countless chickens. Countless chickens. Five pups. Five dogs, yeah. And another dog in the form of a cat. Yes, who, Bing. Yeah. Yeah. So I have been... In love with Larkin since we first met. Actually, since we first started like texting on the voice memos back in the day. Yeah, yeah through Instagram, Instagram actually, which was so strange because our sort of meet cute, which is like, you know, like a film term. We met because I ran, I never do this. And for whatever reason, years ago, maybe like 2018 even. It would have been 2017. A long time ago. I reached out to you because I was coming to Utah and I followed you for fitness reasons, obviously. Um, And I reached out to you and I was like, hey, I'm coming to Utah. And at that time I was bulking my portfolio. So I said, hey, would love to photograph your family. I'm coming through. We actually, you messaged back. We tried to make it work and it it didn't work out. If I remember right, it was my first trip to Australia or one of my first trips to Australia that was coming up. And you were earlier on in your career. Yeah. No one, I was under an NDA. I had signed a heads of agreement with Sweat, but we had not launched Sweat yet. So nobody knew. I was just really, yeah, in the very beginnings of my, yes, what would become in, my career. We were in the beginning and we weren't able to make it work. And then flash forward, was it 2020 or 2021? Like 2020 March. No, 2021. Cause okay. it's just been a year. Okay. Weird. Um, I thought it was during 2020 it that we January talked and we made plans for 2021. I think it was January of 2021. Okay. And you came a few what? months later. Okay. So anyway, at that point, I... I had, you're like, you randomly came up and, and you know, so how she that, had unfollowed me. 
Did, did I unfollow you? I think so. No, I don't recall. I don't recall. Okay, that, that might be that, that might be revisionist <laughs> history. I don't know about that. <laughs> I mean, we we will leave that to either leave that way. To I see a post. comment on a random post. It was yes. like some very random post. And it was like. Do you remember exactly what it said? No, no but, but what happened was you randomly came up in my feed and you know how Instagram like experiments with what it's hiding from you. And I was like, oh my God, I forgot I was going to photograph this woman or I had talked to her a while back. Would still love to do that. But at this stage in my career, like I just don't do that. I wasn't doing that. No, you had no need or time. I don't even do that. to. I don't do that. I don't do that anymore. So it was, it was like a strange urge. I messaged you. Um, and then I commented on your DMs. I mean, I'm sorry, on your post. And I was like, Hey, I sent you a DM. Yes. Check in and see what you think or something along those lines. Um, you did say, and I remember something about, Hey, I know it has actually been about four years, okay. but I sent you a message like, and something it was like that. And it intrigued me. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, what? So I, I searched your you know handle, right. went into our DMS and then I saw the conversations from years before. Yeah. And I was like, okay, first of all, Ryan and I had not done a family photo shoot in any form, like ever since our newborn photos when Anderson was two weeks old. Like we've just, my husband hates taking photos. My son hates taking photos. It stresses me out. I just, we just don't. But I go into her, you know, feed and I'm starting to realize like, whoa, this is not some, somebody just like hustling, trying to build up anymore. Like she has gone and dominated. And it was so cool that you had any interest in working with me anymore. I was just like blown away. Well, well the strangest of it was I asked and you said yes. So those two things are not, don't happen to us regularly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we don't, don't do those things. things. So, so it was kind of like, um, like kismet, like an aligning of Yeah, because I'm very guarded. Right. And you're very busy. It was busy like we were supposed to be friends yeah. in each other's lives. And so, and there it was. And now here we are. I came and I actually stayed the night with you as I was passing through from shooting one wedding um, out in the desert somewhere. I can't remember over in Utah. And I came through and I got to your house at like 11 o'clock at night. And we got up at 5 a.m. and started shooting. And we had the best day. And then ever since then, it was like fast. It was fast. It was crazy. I remember now you're here at the farm. Yeah, I'm here. I just do want to say, like, I remember you saying, hey, I'm actually coming to Utah. I'd still love to do it. And yeah. I and you're like, I will do it for free still yeah. because that's what I had offered. And I was like, there's no way. But you still didn't let me pay you your real rate. No. I know that. But no. we we did it. And I just remember in the weeks leading up, I was trying to plan outfits and stupid things. Yeah. And I guess, I mean, that's not stupid. For some people, I right. guess, whatever. Teach their own. Right. But you were just like, you don't understand. I'm coming. I'm coming into your home. If you give me permission, I will just photograph your family at this phase of life as it actually is for you right, right. now. And that's the first thing I'd ever heard of that from in the photography world. I was like pretty blown away. You're like, I don't care if there's dishes in the sink. I don't, this needs to be zero stress. I want to show up, enter your home as it is on your daily basis right now. And just photograph the interactions between your son and your puppy, between you and your son. And it's just, it was truly one of the most beautiful experiences. Yeah, you cried. I remember that. Oh, I did a few times. I just, and those photographs. I need to share more of them, but I will treasure those forever because it really did feel like that. They were not posed. It was, it captures exactly where we were in our everyday life at that time. I think in in a time of curation and we fail to realize that our life is really happening in the mundane mostly. And we, we, the, the patterns of our daily lives and how we interact with each other every single day. We, we kind of cast, cast all of that aside and try to focus on things that aren't really real, you know, mm-hmm. like 
creating I, there's nothing wrong with like getting dressed up and going in a field and taking family photos but with everything that I do I want to approach like a feeling for how you, when, how you want to feel when you look at your photographs that's where I start I'm very subject led um I don't have you know like I don't give in to this idea of a specific brand, a specific look, a specific edit. I really just feel that we should honor the human experience across the board. And I don't want it to be a stressful thing. I want you to be able, as much as you can, because obviously I'm there and it's manufactured to an extent. It's not 100% documentary, but I want to be able to curate something that speaks to a truth about my subject and their life, but also is a little piece of myself where I can create an art that fulfills me um, outside of who I am as a mother. And you do that. And I think the only reason that you're able to do that, which essentially you say I'm subject-led, but essentially that means you you are photographing selflessly. Like you are not having some ego about a certain aesthetic that you're trying to achieve or protect in a photo. You are not, you are there in the moment and letting that moment guide and capturing what you say is the mundane or what is actually the essence of what's going on. But the only reason it's clear to me after getting to know you better that you're able to do that is because of who you are and how you live in your life. You are authentic and those are the things that you value. Absolutely. And you could not approach that in your work nor get the results that you do if you weren't like that. And when I say selfless, I do not mean selfless in the form that I kind of was taught at growing up within Mormonism, which was, and I'm not saying my parents directly taught to me like this, but what I internalized from my culture was that you would just put yourself last. Right. Everyone else comes first. And that's the best way. And that's the most holy way to live. It is a woman who is empowered. You have taken care of yourself. You know yourself. Right. You do not neglect yourself. Right. You know who you are. You know what matters to you. And you your life aligns with your core values. And because of that, and because of who and how you are in your evolution as a woman, you thrive in your career. And I think that it's really interesting because I know that we've touched, we've like talked about this before just casually in conversation, but there is so much pressure and it's typically in my experience from other women to uh, mold to this concept of when you're a mother, that's all you can be. That's all you should be. And to go outside of that um, is to receive judgment. Um, yeah. And, and, and it's perceived as actually putting your children last to pursue, to pursue something for yourself. But really what I'm doing is I want to be a whole human being for my children. If I was a stay at home mom constantly and I homeschool my children, you know, like we are very, our children are very much there all the time. But if I did not have something that made me feel, um, proud of myself and, and built something that I built myself or something that, that gave me, um, a personal sense of, of value and, and being able to be an individual outside of being a mother, then I think I would have this resentment, this seed of resentment that just would build up in my soul. And the people that would suffer are the people that are closest to me, my children and my husband. So getting, yes, I travel a ton for work, um, but, but it makes me appreciate my home life more and it makes me appreciate the passage of time more. So I'm more present when I'm home because of the career. And I'm grateful for that dichotomy and that balance that I have in my life. I mean, it's does not to say that it's easy. It's hard. And there are times when I do cry. Yeah. Because, I mean, like you travel too. It's hard to be away from your family. And especially, I think, as mothers, this is not to take away from the love that a father has for their child because they love as hard as they know how. But we carry this life inside of us. And I feel like there is something there that is immeasurable. That love is not even the word that 
that can be used to describe it. So being away from your child is sometimes a physical sickness. Yes, yeah. And and it hurts you and it makes you feel like you literally can't get out of bed. And there are days like that. Um, but I know that if I if I didn't have something for myself and to work toward toward myself and personal goals that I was achieving, then I would just feel so unhappy and, and that would bleed out into my home life. And I would not be able to be the mother that I am without you know, and, and this, this kid sacrifice too, because I leave, you know, yeah. like I'm gone, but, but they, they also, also look at it and they're like, look what mom does. Yeah. And you're showing them that. Yes. I mean, I resonate obviously with all that so deeply. And one of the biggest things that the women in my community or that train with me, or just, you know, that ask me on the internet is how do you deal with mom guilt? Especially in a fitness sense, like yeah. starting to exercise, doing something as simply as taking 15 to 45 minutes to exercise comes with a huge amount of guilt for most mothers. Yes, I understand that too. When you say it like that, it seems crazy, but it's exactly what you said. I think you you answered the one thing that I think is really the way to navigate that or to dismantle that and understand it. And you said it's present. You're wholly present when you're home, you're there. And that was the thing that I had to learn is it's like when I'm traveling on the other side of the world in Australia or wherever, and I'm not home, it it cripples me to not, the only way that I can do it is to just be present and fully be in my right. work and give my whole self to whatever I'm doing right then. And it's the same thing when I'm home. It does not serve me to think, oh, I have so many emails I'm behind on. I need to create content. Da, 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 da. So like think of all the things for work that I'm not doing. I'm just present right there at home. And I try, obviously I try to be present and the more present I can be wherever I am has been my personal answer to navigating that in a, the most healthy way. Right. But I also mental health, especially because yes. you can't let those voices run ragged and no and take over the narrative of whatever you're trying to accomplish on the outside of your, yeah. Of your and I mean, I'm, I can attest that your kids are, I mean, they're incredible children, but they love you so fiercely and they're like, I mean, you guys, these children are so vibrant and uh, just... I would appreciate it if you would stop right now. No, but like, there's a point feelings. to this because it's... They are, they are so cared for and loved. I mean, on paper, you're away from them way more than most parents are away. You have mm-hmm. to be by the nature of what you do, as do I. Yeah. But there is zero... Your kids lack for nothing. And that is so abundantly clear. Right. And your relationship with each of them is so solid and healthy and rich and beautiful. And I can tell that as a stranger, you know, to them coming into their home in the first 10 minutes of meeting yeah. them. And now watching them throughout the week as they interact with your family and with my family, it's incredible. And I think to anyone out there who's feeling mom guilt, whether it be for work purposes or because they're starting to exercise, or maybe you're just a new mom and you're just completely overwhelmed with all yeah. of this understand just like Larkin said as you pointed out it makes you know that if you didn't take care of yourself it would have a negative effect on your family right it's the same on the other hand because you care for yourself because I care for myself I know that it has a positive effect on my family and I think I am proud to be teaching my son these things and as a mom I always say okay if you're struggling with mom guilt in a sense of caring for yourself your health whether that be physical mental or emotional then realize that you're actually not doing it for you. Think yeah. if you need to understand that when you go to exercise, when you go to therapy, when you meditate, whatever it is you're needing to do, you're actually taking care of your kids 
because the most powerful way to teach is through example. You can say whatever you want, but your kids pay attention most to how you live your life and how you speak to yourself and treat yourself. Absolutely. Your children are mirrors. And we had a conversation about this earlier too, as far as like when I watch my oldest son become frustrated about things, I get angry (laughs) at myself because I see myself mirrored back. So the things that I don't like about yourself, you don't like about yourself will also show up in your children, but it gives you the opportunity to say, okay, wait a Mm -hmm. minute, because now I'm, I'm getting a glimpse into how I behave or the habits that I have and how they affect my family. So spinning it and and being able to be self-aware enough to recognize like, Hey, I don't like this about myself. I see it reflected in my child. I'm going to use that as a tool. And with my child, I'm going to work through it and say, Hey, you know what, buddy? I now understand why you behave that way. It's because you got that from me. And so I see that I need to work on my communication or how I'm imploding in the moment when really I, I need to practice what I'm teaching you, which is to take a few breaths before you react. But I, I always acknowledge with my children too, that my lizard brain sometimes takes over mm-hmm. and it takes me a minute to calm down. But those are things that are great about your kids because you see both your negative habits and in your positive habits and your good reinforcements showing up and mirrored back at you. And you would never judge or love your kids less or never negatively react or hurt or harm your kids for doing that. No. And so can you not see like, why would you hurt or harm or hate yourself for doing those same things? Well, in self-talk too, um, there was a moment a few years back where I was not feeling good about my body and I go to the gym, not for aesthetics. Gym for me is therapy. It's Mm. getting physical and it's taking out all of my anxiety with my work or whatever I have going on. It helps me to to get a clear head and come at everything from a better perspective than if I went without the gym. And I've been in the gym for several years and I know that when I go without it for a while and I lose that habit, that's the one thing that I will start deteriorating quickly because that's that's my therapeutic Mm -hmm. time for myself. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I was at a point where I wasn't doing that and I was feeling not good about my body. And I didn't realize that I was talking negatively about my body until my son started talking negatively about his body. And I realized, oh my God, Mm -hmm. I've been saying it so much that my kid is now nitpicking his body based on what I'm saying. So that was a moment of awakening for me. Mm -hmm. So the type of parenting that I practice is conscious parenting. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's just allowing yourself, your child to be your teacher too. And you know, we leave a, we live a very child led lifestyle, mm-hmm. what the kids want to learn. That's what we pursue. We, we try to, um, cultivate their natural interests and their natural personality traits. And we don't want to snuff out anything that it's beautiful. That's true to who, to each, who have they, who they each are individually. Um, and so that also, ha- I have to confront a lot of things about myself, a lot of my habits that are ingrained, thinking patterns that are ingrained in me by society, by how I was raised, because this is an undoing Mm -hmm. of everything, all of my own brain, you know, neuro pathways that have been carved for decades. Once I began this method of living and this way of raising my children, it's definitely one of those things where I have to confront all the, all the bad habits that I have about myself and the automatic quick snap judgments and, and why I say no to things they'll ask me. And my gut reaction is to say no. And I have to stop them and say, wait, let me think about why I said no and see if, was it really a no? Did it really need to be a no? Mm-hmm. Um, is it fair to say that through raising your own kids, you have in that conscious way, you've been able to interact with and heal your own energy. Oh, they've raised me. Yeah. They've raised me. Um, who I was when I had my first son is not anywhere near where I am with my third son who's six years old. So I have a 13 and nine and a six. My oldest son is my, my hardest teacher. 
He yeah. is. And I have to, you know, you've seen yeah. him and I go round and round <laughs> a little bit. He's a lot like me. And he forces me to confront how I confront things because he feeds it back to me. Mm-hmm. And so I find myself getting more frustrated with him because it's things I don't like about myself. And I have to stop and say, hey, babe, I want you to know that I'm so sorry. I shouldn't have reacted like that. Um, I should never have yelled like that or whatever I did because yeah. I'm only human. Yeah. Um, and I acknowledge that with my child and I let him know everything you do is the first time for me. Yeah. So your brothers are younger, but you paved the way for them. Mm-hmm. And so now I'm having to adapt to what you're doing. I've never had a 13 year old before. You're my first one. Yeah. Oh. So him and I especially raise each other up in, in big ways. I felt the same thing with Anderson. I mean, I remember seeing a reading a quote online and I really wish I knew who who it's from or what book or if it's, I don't know, but it basically it was the concept that when you yell at your child, they don't get mad at you. They get mad at themselves. Oh, for sure. And that just crushed me. And I'm, I mean, I'm not a big yeller, but I remember I've sat Anderson down and just, you know, sometimes apologized for my frustration. I've been like, buddy, I just need you to understand that I got frustrated right there, not at you at, at me. Yeah. And I'm sorry. And it's, it's always just trying to do better, but it's that, it's being present. It's having that awareness. And that um, awareness is hard, especially as, as your kids grow and they're pushing back mm-hmm. on you and they're making intelligent points yeah. and you're like getting frustrated. Like, wait, wait, wait. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And they're talking you in circles, like teenagers, especially I I'm going to do my best to like continue and keep calm throughout this. <laughs> but there are times when I lose it and I will say the same thing to him. I'm mad at myself. Yeah. I'm mad at myself because I see that I've taught you that you know, this way of responsive behavior when really, if we just took a few deep breaths before we responded to things, which I, it's a practice for me that I I like to go, go Mm -hmm. through with him. And he reminds me to go through it. Mm -hmm. Um, and so we, he comes back upstairs too, to me sometimes as within like four minutes of our argument, he stomps downstairs, he gets calm. He comes up, he goes, I'm sorry, mom. It's like that back and forth. And we have that relationship. So he's making me a better parent for my two youngest ones. He really is. And I tell him all the time, you I mean, he saved me from drug addiction when he was born. His, his the birth uh, in and of itself was um, changed my life. Wow! Um, and then he's just made me a better person and and helped me to confront the things that I want to change about myself every day, every week, every month, every year. He has he has a huge impact on my life, and he especially is a huge part of my growth. Yeah, and That's my so husband's beautiful. growth too. It just it ripples. It ripples through the family. And the healthier you are with, and the more open you are to discussions about all kinds of things. I never shame my kids about anything. I want them to be able to come talk to me. And I notice that the second I show any sign of like getting mad about one little thing where he's trying to tell me something mm-hmm. and I, maybe I'm frustrated, he will not come to me yeah. over the next two things. So then yeah. I have to reevaluate and say, yeah. what's more important to me, my pride or my son feeling like he can come to me with anything and knowing that even if it's going to make me angry, I'm not going to react mm-hmm. in a way that's going to make him feel shame. Yeah, that's that's everything. So it, that's but my it's a single practice. greatest goal with parents. It's like as a well. meditation. It, it really is. is. It's a and it never ends. And you always get you know the same cycles repeat. And different subject matter comes up, and you have to just you know retrain your brain to react differently. Yeah. And it's so hard. It really it's is just hard. like most of the hard, heavy. Um, more difficult parts and pieces of the human experience. It's we keep facing sometimes the same triggers or the same traumas or working through the same stuff, but it doesn't mean that 
you have regressed or you failed or you're weak or you, you know, you work through something, you think, okay, I've done that. And then the next time it comes back around, it's easy to shame yourself straight away. There's no need because we're learning and we're coming at something as a new us, as a stronger us, or working through it from a different way or in a different lens. But I think, okay. What? If you would like. You're giving me such a look right now. (laughs) If you would like. Yes. I think it would be very powerful for, for women, all humans, but especially women to hear how your career unfolded. Well, I mean, how did you become the Larkin Kendall? I think this is huge because I think our stories have a lot of similarities in the sense that it's not what we ever saw ourselves doing our whole lives long. It's not like we, you know, and not saying that it's not like that for some people, but I think the way that you came into your career, which is it not fair to say that it's also a part of your calling? in this life. Yeah. But a calling that I was ignoring until, until I was forced to confront it because what happened was I'm going to give just the cliffs notes. Yep. We have a farm as Kelsey has stated before. The most beautiful. And it's my husband's. It's a six. He's a six fifth generation farmer. My kids are six and our house that we're, we're sitting in the living room right now. This is the very same spot that the original homestead was built on in the 1870s. Um, and we have a picture just of them gives on the me wall. Chills. Yeah, it really it's, a legacy is huge in farming. Um, but anyways, we had a lawsuit arise over the farm over a will. It was a family thing kind of, kind of threw our lives into chaos and turmoil. My husband, um, was actually kicked off the farm by his own mother for just, it was a really messed up situation. We ended up losing our job, losing our house for, for a period of three, three and a half years. Um, and in that period, I was, when we got kicked off of our farm, I was seven and a half months pregnant with my second son and our oldest son was four years old. Um, and now my husband had no job. We had to leave our home that we'd been in since my youngest was, or my oldest was born. We moved not too far away, but at that time I, I was like, what am I going to do? I have to, we went on food stamps, um, because we couldn't afford anything. We didn't have health insurance anymore. I was about to have a baby. So we were on state aid and after I had Wiley, my second son, I looked around and I was like, what can I do to bring, uh, to ease my family right mm-hmm. now in this time? What can I do to make money? Because we live an hour from anywhere. Yeah, meanwhile, your husband is fighting to be able to have the career and do yes, what he is we're meant in a, to do we and what he should rightfully lawsuit, be doing. Right. Because his, the will guaranteed him the farm basically. And the trustee who was his mother didn't want to abide by the will at all. It was a crazy story. But anyways, um, I, people were posting to my Facebook or when I would post photos of my children, my children, again, were, what year was this now? This is 2000 and like 2013. Okay. Oh Jesus. In 2013, I think I was 27 years old. So 27 just had your second baby. Yeah. Really hard times. When was I born? Yeah. So I'm 26, 27, really hard times. Um, people had always asked me when I would post photo photographs of my children, if I could photograph their families and I would be like, "Ah, I'm good. No, no, no. But then I saw it as a, as a way to make a little side hustle. So that's what happened. And I ended up taking about a year in, um, I was making like some good side money. I ended up taking a couple weddings off Craigslist. I was like, let me just see if I could even like do a wedding yeah. day. So what I did was people post on Craigslist, like, Hey, looking for free wedding photos. And I was like, this is perfect because they don't, wow. I don't you know, need a contract with them. They're not giving me anything. I'll just go out and see. And I was so I'm almost said enough word. I'm sorry. You know, how I, you love, can. I love, I'm so fucking proud of that work. 
um, I remember just feeling like I had stepped into where I was exactly where I was supposed to be. Mm. And photography was fun. I had fire for it. I felt so good when I was doing it. I was so proud of these photographs that I was making. I was, I was proud of the skill. I was proud that I had started somewhere and ended up here and that people were contacting me for photos. I couldn't believe it. When I made $500 on my first wedding, I couldn't believe it. When you were photographing those first weddings, Mm -hmm. instead of feeling overwhelmed with fear in those, you know, most important moments, some of the most important moments of someone's life and all the pressure of capturing that instead you thrived. I was, I felt just jazzed. Yeah. I was like, yes, I was excited. I couldn't get, I could not wait to get home every time to see what was on my memory card. Cause it was like, and also I've never been afraid of people saying no to me. So if I asked them to do something, I started my career. I look at myself more of a director almost than even a photographer, because you have to interact with people and you have to know how to ask them to do things. And you have to just I have, um, whatever's in my head comes out of my mouth. There's really no filter in between that. You know, <laughs> one of my that. favorite things about so you. So <laughs> when I'm directing, like, it's just like quick fire. Um, you know, I'm just throwing things at them and I'm just experimenting and trying. So I just love that. It fulfilled me in so many ways. Um, and now like, it's so funny cause we'll go to town and we went to a wedding locally, which we never, we never really do anything locally. And people were asking my son, are you the photographer's son? Because out here, you know, like you're known you as the, the photographer because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I, well, and you know, I've made a career for myself and I mean, I need to, people to understand too. If you are not in the photography world, you would, it, I think it's important to understand. And if you are, you have heard of Larkin, but if you don't, she is exceptionally well-known. It's not just because she's published. It's because who she is in this industry, she tr- sets the trends. She doesn't follow them. Mm-hmm. She, her she's work so speaks for itself ultimately. Well, I appreciate that. And so. it's true. Like she's very, very respected and renowned in the industry. Well, and it's hard. Of course, it's always hard to see your own value, right? Like, yeah, of course people, people can tell me all day when they see a photo, I knew that was yours without looking at it. But to me, it's, it's, it's a little more difficult, you know, to yeah. see what you're bringing to a situation, but I do know that I, I love it. And I especially love teaching it, which is why now like I've evolved kind of like how you've evolved into your podcast and your redefined fitness is like, you're stepping truly into what you always wanted it to be. Mm -hmm. This is what's happening with me. And I have a little education membership site for photographers called mother photographer. Um, and I just, everyone, anytime I teach a workshop, people always end up calling me like, I I mean, let me just say, we do need to take a second to really plug this because if you are into photography as a hobby, even or especially as a career, side as career, whatever, career this yeah. is what, less than 40 bucks a month. Yeah. It's you, just like people would pay tens of thousands of dollars to have a mentorship or an internship with Larkin or even a two day weekend workshop. And for the price of less than 40 bucks a month, she is sharing and teaching others in the industry, the things that really matter. Well, and what I wanted was to create, I mean, I looked around and I saw that something was missing and it was a it was education that was affordable for people who were me when I started yes. with babies who didn't know where to go, mm-hmm. who don't know how to, like what they need to protect themselves to mm-hmm. go forward. And because you need contracts, you, you need, are there's, hustling there's and don't have you five grand to spend. On you don't weekend. have that kind of money and you can't travel to workshops because mm-hmm. I remember when I went to my first workshop, it actually ended up being with one of my, like my closest friend. She's a photographer too. And I wanted to go so bad, but it was $1,500. Wow. Yeah. Um, and she like scheduled it far enough out that I hustled to like mm-hmm. scratch that money together because I wanted to go Brooke. so bad. 
but also with Brooke. Yeah. Um, but what I wanted to do was I wanted to make it so people weren't having to travel and leave their families, but they were also, I have a heart for it. And like, I don't feel like education should be something that's so unattainable or Mm. so expensive. Um, and a lot of it is just common sense stuff that I feel like you really shouldn't even have to pay for. Okay. Common sense to you. Right. But that's the thing. And that's that's what I'm learning through the process too. I mean, I've been teaching for many years, but especially with having a group this size, it's interesting. What I'm realizing is I forgot that I didn't know that, Mm -hmm. you know, because you get so used to Mm -hmm. knowing what you know, um, that you forget that there was a time when you didn't know that, that tiny little piece of information and it's crucial. And then you just take it for granted. Like so many things in life we take for granted, but I do love it. And I love how it's, it's helped me to help other people, other women, other mothers, because yeah. I came into it as a mother too. And I have a heart for parents, dads, moms, people who Absolutely. are just trying to make it work and also trying to feed their own artistic soul. Yeah. So photographers get on that. Um, get on it's it. called the mother photographer on Instagram, to. right? Also. Yes. And I, I will have, you know, that I am a very, like, I like foul language. I'm so sorry. I find the word. You don't need to, to apologize. Me. But just going into it, just know that, you know, if that's not your thing, then that's not your thing. <laughs> Fair warned. Fair, fair warning. warning. Fair warning. Um, I am who I am. You okay, know? listen. It's come that time. Okay. We have to speak about the thing that feels so big and, 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 <laughs> I always say and, and, and the, the subject that is confidence. Okay. I have, I speak about this so often in my content, but I've, Instagram is just not the medium to do this justice. This is something that feels, I feel like, you know, I, I talk a lot about self-love, not in the fluffy sense that it's kind of been hijacked by a fitness and health industry right now to be like the new buzzword thing and to sell you new, you know, sell you a bunch of shit, but because it's wellness now and self-love now, it's about the real self-love, which to me is actually self-awareness, self-belief, all the things that I've been talking so far about in my podcast. And if you haven't listened to the previous episodes, please do so. But I couldn't think of anybody who would be a better, who would be better to speak to about confidence than Larkin. And for a few reasons, I think. I would love to hear those reasons. Okay. Well, first of all, you are one of the most confident human beings I've ever met. Without, but without without being like an egotistical asshole though, I hope. No, a hundred. You, and that's the thing. That's the, okay, that's the first thing we need to dissect, right? Confidence is not conceded. Correct. And that is something that is a big problem right now, especially with women towards women. Yeah. You see a confident woman or you see someone acting confidently, whether it's because they're posting a certain way or wearing a certain thing or whatever, doing something that you couldn't. And we are so quick to tear her down. She's, you're so full of yourself. I would absolutely what agree. The I have hell. seen that on your page. I've literally seen that on it's your page. It's so sad. I think it, in those in those instances, though. I mean, like I don't get a lot of hate, but I know that with you and your in your industry, like that's pretty common. I think I, I try to remind myself when I do get things like that um, that it definitely speaks more to something that's missing in that person, absolutely, than it does obviously to you. And that's but it what is we're hurtful, about and this. it does make you feel like, can I wear that? Mm-hmm. Or can I look like that? Especially when you're coming from a background like me where I shamed myself my whole life for my body and for... Which is so interesting because, I mean, to to so many people, 
you have the most beautiful body, but because you are a body, right? Mm-hmm. That's your job. Then it would make sense that you would tear yourself apart even more. It is weird. I mean, to be honest, I don't think I've ever said this out loud, certainly not in any type of public place, but right. coming into this as a career and having my body like scrutinized and under this kind of microscope in my whole industry right. and kind of to the world and right. and put on some pedestal. I mean, it really did a number on my mental health in a few ways. And I that's something imagine. that I didn't understand it was happening, you yeah. know, until it got to a certain place. And then I had to be like, whoa, right? right. But it's not easy. But this is another thing. Every time I'm so, uh, I'm so wary of speaking about confidence and speaking about this because I understand that people are going to snap judge and say, that's easy for you to say. I mean, and again. And it is now. Yeah. But that's only because I've done the actual work to earn and come home to my confidence and confidence, like clinically speaking is self-trust. You become confident by learning to trust yourself. And there's a myriad of ways to get into that. But in a fitness standpoint, the reason why so many women's journeys like my own. Okay. So my body composition shifted a ton in my first two years of exercising. Right. And it's very easy for people to be like, Oh yeah, you can say it's not about aesthetics, but look at you now and you're confident. Look at you then and you weren't. That is only because for the first time I was using the tool of exercise and movement, not out of hate for my body, out of a place to heal it. But that is mostly only because what what was I doing? For the very first time, I was teaching myself, happened to be through fitness, how to trust myself. And yes. it started so granular as to say, I'm going to exercise for 15 minutes today and I would actually follow through. And that presents another red flag when you take a grand goal of all or nothing, right? The all or nothing mentality. I am going to exercise two hours a day for six weeks or whatever. You are setting yourself up to undermine your own confidence. And you are going to come out of that feeling worse about yourself because it is about doing what you say you're going to do. It is about learning that you can trust yourself. Oh, yes. And when I brought up the whole problem that women have with tearing each other down. You're exactly right. It is what people say or think about me is none of my business. I say that all the time. Mm-hmm. Something way harder to practice and really internalize than to like understand on a surface level mm-hmm. or just say it. But I say that now. And the reason why I'm comfortable bringing it up now is because I might not have the words to articulate it appropriately or in the ways that I really want people to understand. However, I am now so empathetic and understanding because I was the worst but that's why you're not the best well I mean it's like there was a huge time in my life where and I've spoken about how I hated myself I've spoke about how toxic my internal dialogue was and my own insecurities which led to harmful things like disordered eating etc real body dysmorphia and other mental health struggles. But during that time, the thing I haven't been as open about is the fact that I was so, I would project all of that. I judged everyone, especially women. Yeah. When I was in that mindset and, and believing those things that I did and holding that shame about my own body and being a woman. And I was the first to see someone and tear them down 
I mean, I mostly did it in my head. I would never be right. rude oh, to someone's wow. face, but I would, I gossiped, you know, and it was right. just so, I look back and it's so sad. And it's like, it was truly because I was hurting so bad yeah. and I was so jealous. How could you as a woman hold your power? Mm-hmm. Whether it was wearing a bikini on the beach, no matter what you look like, right. or whether that was having your career or no matter what it was, I couldn't understand it. And I could never, I never thought I could. I think if I'm really honest with myself, I felt that I was meant for more and meant for more in the sense that I knew on an intrinsic level, I wasn't meant to be living my life in that negative place. And I was meant to feel like that. And I don't say in like the accolades or the accomplishments or being at the top of my career. I say in the fact that living my life out loud, how I wanted to. Right. That's what it is. Whether that is public or private, whether that manifests in whatever way, I wanted that so bad. And I thought I'd never have it. And so now I can call this out and be really honest and say, I get it. But we need to be aware because change has to begin with awareness. Absolutely. And Larkin, like coming back to this, which I need you to speak on, is one of the most confident humans I've ever known. And it is the most amazing thing. I mean, it is your energy. How do you think you can, like you said, you feel like you're a director. I mean, I've worked with a lot of photographers, some exceptionally good ones. Yes. Very talented, creative, kind, great humans, really good at what they do and, and top in other facets of the industry, right? right? Other types of photography. But with you, the way you speak to people and the way you put them at ease, it's an energetic thing. The trust that people immediately have for you can only exist because the trust and steadiness that you hold for yourself. And that's a fact. And so when I say you are the most confident, it is so beautiful because you are the least conceited. And you have been one embodiment of teaching me that the two things are, I mean, it's so obvious to see and feel when I look at you and when I'm around you. And I hope to live my life in such a way that other people could feel the permission to own their own confidence around me because of you, right? And because of a few others that I know and my husband being one of them. But it's like you, I was saying to you yesterday, we're at the lake. So, I mean, guys, this is the best week of my life. We've been bouncing between her insanely magical farm and her equally magical lake place. The hillbilly kingdom on the lake. No, I mean, you guys, it is just magic, but... Maybe she'll let me post a few photos uh, with this. Absolutely. You know, I don't care. <laughs> Only if she takes them. <laughs> I will take them for you, I promise. But we were saying... It's so hard to articulate. Like, I okay, so the conversation yesterday was something like, we were sitting there, we were sitting there and yeah. we're just gross, super dirty. I mean, just, we're in the dirt, we're just chilling, like... Yep. And being one with no me, showers, no makeup. Yeah, I don't, mm-hmm. I don't care like at all what I'm wearing or how I look. Yet I feel so beautiful. Mm-hmm. And I said, Larkin, and it's it's not just because we're out here in nature, right? It's like every time I've been around her, starting with that first time she photographed me and my family. I've I've done a lot of work and I've gotten to a place where I'm actually very comfortable now, makeup free. And for me, that was a huge personal yes. win. That yeah. was a big deal for me to get there. Okay. But when I first started wearing no makeup, I would get comfortable doing that just alone at home. Mm -hmm. 
And then I got to a place where I was like, oh, I'm comfortable with it, but I still don't feel confident with it. Right. And the difference is like, I'm fine to not wear makeup, but I definitely don't think I look that good. Or like, I'm like, okay, I'm not as vibrant because I feel like to be my most vibrant, I would need to look my best or put my best foot forward. And again, I'm not knocking getting all done up. And no, because you do that too. That. Exactly. That and too. I love it. But the problem is I, I wouldn't feel the same confidence or I, I failed to still see my beauty in my natural state. Right. And you came around and you are one of a few people, you and Ryan and a couple other friends of mine, really, I'm around you and I feel just as beautiful and confident completely in my most natural state. As you should. And that's, it, it comes down again, that age old quote, when you love yourself, you give permission for others to love yourself. It's the same thing with confidence. And so I want you to speak on confidence. This is why you said you'd love to hear the reasons. I know this is a long-winded yes, answer, no, but first fine. of all, it's because of your own intrinsic well, confidence. You. And I would love for you to speak on how you think you gained that and uncover that in yourself because you have not had an easy life at I, all. I really think that that's what it is, is that I just understand, though, um, how temporary everything is because I've had so many things go on in my life and even through childhood i didn't have it easy you know nobody had it easy yeah but larkin you've had i think though that it's made me value things that are not skin deep you know what i mean 100 percent. like it's made me value um humanity and and the the, the value that people themselves and and the the unique little like humans that i collect and i love being around them and i also just think that I don't like to be distracted by myself. You know what I mean? Like my outer self, I don't really care what I look like. I'm more interested in, in working on my inner self because my outer self doesn't really make me feel one way or the other. It really doesn't. But that's it. That's true confidence. That is it. But there was a time when I was young where it was like nitpick myself apart. And I honestly think that again, I can equate it back to motherhood because with motherhood and the chaos of it, there's not really time... It, it points, especially when your kids are little, to think about yourself. And I have three of them. And so just surviving day to day is enough and feeling inner happiness or just inner peace or just trying to find some sort of equilibrium, no matter how you get there, um, is really what I'm all about. I want to be more emotionally balanced than anything else. I don't really care about my my face or anything else that goes with that. And I also think that it's really important to to tell people how they make you feel to be around them. Because I tell you all the time, I love to be around you. I think it's amazing to be in your energy too. And you're so generous with just who you are. Um, and you always are very attentive. And I've said that about your husband too, Ryan. I love Ryan. Ryan is one of those people that you meet him and you're just like, wow. I mean, even I, I woke up the first time I met him in his home as a stranger. And he just was so interested in my life and having a conversation with me and making me coffee and it's that type of generosity of time that you don't get from people anymore. So I think because it's my career also, you know, there's a skill set that comes with that in working with people and finessing people and making people feel good because I'm always seeking symbiosis in those relationships. Yes. I need that trust to exist for me to create what the, what my subject is relying on me to create. I need them to open up to me. I need them to understand that maybe I'm going to ask you to do things that might feel weird because let's, let's face it. It's not comfortable unless you're like a model or, you know, like you like to be photographed. Most people don't like it. Yeah. Um, and so I approach everything from that place. Like I want to create an environment of comfort for for everyone really. And I think it's spilled over into my 
into my personal life. Or maybe I started there and it spilled over into my professional life. I really can't put a word to it um, or, you know, like put a pen in it and say, this is, this is what confidence is. I should ask Cody this. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. That's her husband's thing. I don't know. Um, I don't know where it comes from. I don't know if it's just. I just really don't think authenticity. That much, I just don't think that much about myself. And that's really. such a beautiful. It's interesting because I did a podcast with Women's Health Australia a couple, like six weeks ago, and I remember her bringing up the screw the scale thing, and and we talked about. I guess my answers were so different than even when that first started coming around. But long story short, I remember saying, she was like, how we were talking about confidence, self-love and all of these things. And you don't deal with insecurities. And I said something like, it's not that I don't have insecurities or ever feel insecure. It's that I think overall, I think of myself less. Yep. I spend way less time fixating on my aesthetic now than ever before in my life. And that to me, now that I'm here, I can look back right. and say, whoa, now I feel like I've finally arrived in that healthy place, which is your natural place, well, and which thing, is amazing. I've said this to you though many times. I have insecurities. Of course I do. We all do. Yeah. But I don't get, I don't allow myself to get so hung up. I say, I'll say this a hundred times and you know what I say, I am who I am, what I am. I am what I am. And so when I start to get upset, if I'm going to work and like, it's a, let's say it's like at a, somewhere like the Amagiri or like some high end luxury place. And I'm not feeling like I'm looking that great that day. I just take a breath and I say, I am what I am. And I just, and I just go because I just can't, I just can't allow that to distract me from what I am on this earth to do. And also I just hurt myself, you know, like I just don't want to hurt myself. We cannot allow our fixation with our physical selves to distract us from what we are on this earth to do. Mm-hmm. That is so powerful. And that's even when it comes to loving other people. You know what I mean? Like, And that is all that is wrong with diet culture. I've said this so many times. I feel like my industry is the most toxic. Yeah, no, I would agree with that. I, I do. Agree with that. And I'm in it because I am truly trying to make a shift in it. Not because I'm holier than thou, but because I have been plugged into that system on every level. I've been a victim. I've probably done and said things that have hurt others unintentionally, whatever. But like now I see it all so clearly and I am here to try and shift it because ultimately diet culture and all the toxic, harmful bullshit that comes along with it, it comes down to that. It's not even about I mean, there's layers to the toxicity and to the ways that it can affect a woman, right? But ultimately, it's that. And I said this, I think, in another episode, but how can... I got to a place where I thought... I realized, like, whoa, it's not actually about is macro counting or is calorie counting healthy for me mentally or not? Is that going to be a trigger for me or not? It's about... If I am spending hours of every single day of my life fixating on what I put into my mouth, will I have time for the shit that I actually care about? Right. How much of your daily life and thoughts and intrinsic thoughts are you putting on your physical looks and aesthetic and body, whether that's praising yourself, shaming yourself, any of it, we can get so wrapped up in that, that we forget what matters and how are we supposed to live out our purpose, let alone figure out what it is. Right. If we are so preoccupied obsessing about how someone else looks or how we look. Well, I mean, you can, you can hurt yourself with positive habits and negative habits. I mean, exactly. a million ways to, to break an egg, right? Exactly. So I think that getting fixated and extreme on, in any aspect of anything is 
probably pretty dangerous exactly. right, to our human psyche. Exactly. And also, we're only here for what? Like, I know I only got probably 50 years max left on this earth. So I'm just going to do... It goes so fast. I'm just going to do the very best I can to not get hung up in stupid bullshit. Boom. Can we just... We should just end. Put a pin in it. That's it. But we can't end it yet because okay. this is the other the other thing that I wanted you to speak on yes. confidence. You photograph. You have now at this point photographed hundreds of brides. Yes. On their... She enters humans' lives, women's lives, on what is arguably, or definitely in their own heads, one of the most important days of their yes. lives. But definitely, I mean, the whole culture, the way that, that my industry has come into the wedding world and just been like, oh, oh your body, this, this diet, wedding diet, thin your dress, da, 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 da. It's so sad. Yeah. But you have such a unique lens on the topic of confidence. And on my point that I always say, that confidence in your body, particularly, it actually has nothing to do with how your body looks. It's all in your mind. It's all uh, mental. Absolutely. I've seen that with myself because I look back on, even when I was speaking about these similar types of things as I was learning them in my own journey, and you know this, I mean, we've talked about this. Larkin has been someone that I've confided in, I mean, really deeply when I was kind of working through realizing this. But yeah. basically in 2018 and 2019, when I was my most shredded, like I was so like lean, I was so strong. Abdomen. And I never did anything extreme. I never did any like disordered eating to get there or whatever. I thought I was fine because I wasn't, you know, using these behaviors that I knew were unhealthy. But I also thought okay, maybe the way that I'm going about things or the time that I'm dedicating to my physical aesthetic isn't healthy for most people because it's my career or because da, 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 I'm, I held myself to a higher standard to put myself, whatever, whatever excuses I did, yeah. it got to a place, long story short, I, I suffered so much. In that time where you look, could look back on my photos and I was trying to prove myself in my industry or whatever, I was so, um, I struggled with my confidence huge. Well, it got to a really low place. Yourself. You weren't. It got to a low, low place for me yeah. a handful of those times. And it really, really flared up some severe body dysmorphia that I hadn't battled in and years. And can we just say, too, like, like looking, looking at these photos, photos of you, I think that people need to realize when they hear you say this, that these photos of you are, like, shredded, like, shape, cover story photos where people would not guess that you were actually hurting yourself. And, and trying to hold yourself to this ideal... Mentally hurting myself. Yeah, mentally hurting yourself by trying to hold yourself to this impossible ideal this is of muscles and... I don't think anyone would ever look at me then and think... Or even... The reason I never said I was struggling with my confidence is because I didn't want to be an asshole. And, and I feared that if I said, hey, I'm really struggling with my confidence in my body, people would be like... Well, shit, if she's struggling with her confidence, if she looks like that, I feel like shit about that myself. right there is what's so incredibly unfair about the world. Yeah. It, it truly is. is because you can hurt no matter what you look like. Thank you. And that's why I'm saying I know personally from, I've lived in different bodies. Like my body composition has changed a lot. Right. And my confidence has ebbed and flowed. And I'm just telling you again, it is not your confidence in yourself and in your body has nothing to do with how you actually look and it has everything to do with how you're treating yourself, Absolutely. how you're living your life, which is mental. Right. And so Larkin yes. has this unique lens of working with and sharing intimate moments, very important intimate moments with brides on their wedding day and leading up to 
you've worked with so many stunningly beautiful women. I think every woman is stunningly beautiful. How have you seen, like, are these women, how many women are there on their wedding day getting photographed just should be enveloped in nothing but joy and love? Like, what is your take on, are they confident? Can Can I tell tell you um, that that I actually start start this process with them months in advance because because I understand that being photographed. So you see the lead up. Yeah. So I have, I have a lot of foresight in my client prep because I, I know what to expect. I've done so many. So over the last few years, what I spend a lot of time speaking to my client about how it's going to feel to be photographed, how I, you know, I empathize with them that it doesn't feel good. And I understand the pressure of the wedding day. A lot of them, I do see them. I follow their stories on Instagram. They're they're in the gym. They're on the attack bite. They're taking multiple classes the week leading up. There are some brides that say to me on their wedding day, like, I really want to have a cookie, but I feel like I can't. And I say, have the fucking cookie, my darling. I'm going to get the cookie for you and I'm going to have a cookie with you. And we're going to have a cookie on your wedding day. Because I, I'm a human Xanax. And my, my job is, is to be there as a, as a whisper, you know, like a human whisper and to, to calm the nerves and to say, you're beautiful. And you know what else? It's my job to get you at your very best angle. So I'm not going to take a photograph of you. That's going to make you look this way or that way. I know what I'm doing too. And then there's an expertise that comes in there. And so that's, I use that language to curate trust with them. And I, but there's things I tell them ahead of time too. Like if you're, what parts of your body do you not feel good about? Because on your wedding day, that's going to come up, whether you've been working on it or not, you're going to be like, you know, if you're wearing a strapless dress, they might be pinching under the arms the whole time and be like, God, I wish I didn't wear this. I've had brides like that. So we do a lot of education. I go with them all the way and I say, Hey, you know, these are things, maybe silhouettes you should avoid if you hate, you know, you don't don't like this part of your body or you feel self-conscious about this part of your body. Here's things that we can do to, um, to make you look longer if you're worried about being short. I mean, like, this is what, this is my job, but I will say that 90% 90% of my women are feeling themselves on their wedding day. They're feeling good. But also I think that has to do with the fact that there's a lot of trust there between me and them too. So I don't see any of the self-consciousness come up during the wedding day. It might be during the engagement photos the year before. But there are definite things that occur where they talk about they haven't been eating carbs for two months or, you know, they're starving or they're, they're eating, you know, only lettuce or they're eating extreme high protein or they're taking a spin class at night and a Pilates in the morning. I see a lot of it. Yeah. I see an absolute lot of it. And yes, these, you can tell these women have worked hard to get where they are. And I, I understand there's a lot of pressure on the bride. Mm-hmm. There's, There's a lot of external societal pressure for her to look a specific way. And so my job is to negate that and rebut that. Yes. And to say, hey, just trust and I'm going to take care of it and I'm going to make you feel beautiful. I want them to feel beautiful. I don't put emphasis on you're going to look beautiful. I say you're going to feel beautiful. And I just give so much praise because you shouldn't be in your head on your wedding day. It goes so fast. And I tell every single couple, you're, we're we're going to spend this year leading up. And then before you know it, I'm hugging you goodbye because that's yeah. it. That day flies. You don't need to be in your head worrying about the dress. You need to get the dress that fits well when you try it on the first time, not what you think you're going to fit into in six months. Don't order a dress smaller. I've had that. I had that happen early on and she felt so bad about herself. And I, it just broke my heart. I cried afterward in the car because you could just tell she was, you know, like, clamming up and her in her body language was she was so uncomfortable i've also had brides that have let other people talk them into dresses that you know they didn't want to wear there's so many things that go into confidence on your wedding day and mostly you just need to stand in who you are and what you want and do not let anybody sway you from that but don't 
don't, don't beat yourself up if you're not, you know, you know don't, 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 hi, don't, don't hold yourself to these high expectations of I'm going to be a size X by my wedding day. And to force myself to do that, I'm going to order a dress that's two sizes too small. And then I'm going to have to hold myself to it because that's not, that's abuse. That's you abusing yourself. That is. And you should be loving yourself all the way down the aisle. And that's, it's, it's seriously just, it's like if you put it all in a Petri dish, that's like the whole bride wedding thing. Yeah. But it's the same. It is the same with women. Girls. Yeah. Before we can even talk. I mean, no, and men too. I'm not, I know that this is also heavily focused on women. But I see it I do, mostly. I can, like, the, the dudes, they don't say anything about, about that kind of stuff. Even, you know, like gay weddings, they don't say, I don't hear it like I do from straight women. And they're not targeted the same way. No. It, I'm not saying that they're not targeted. I mean. No, they absolutely are. But when it comes to body mm-hmm. body issues, it's primarily yeah, females. Yeah. Who are at least they are voicing it out loud. And, and they're, they're saying, does this. Because they come to me and they whisper, does this part look okay? How does this look? How does this look? And I'm like, you are stunning. And you just feel so good to be around. And did you catch that? You are. Not you look. Yeah. You are. Yeah. And it ultimately is that. It's. I don't know. I encourage you, like, if you're listening to this, whether you're engaged or not, whether you're married or not, whether you ever want to be or not, it doesn't matter. It's the principles apply are the same. It's about, like, Larkin, the way that you handle and hold space for these women, not just on that day, but on the lead up, you're kind of, like you said, you're the voice of reason that counteracts that. And you are actually kind of on the front line, like, rebutting, because they're going to do what they're going to do, and you're not going to change that, right? Like, I'm trying to take a more macro level and be like, whoa, that's actually really messed up that they feel like they have to do that in the very first place. Right. And they but do. people, it's like, how, how do we, we, if we can understand and see that the system is broken, that it's not fair, that all the insecurities that that bride or that you are feeling and that are permeating into your life and dictating your thoughts and all of it, that that's wrong. And even that it's not your fault, that maybe you've been the victim of diet culture your whole life. Absolutely. We still, the whole redefine fitness podcast and what I speak about is about making the shift and how can we cannot shift it on an industry level or on a more mass level mm-hmm. un, until we shift it within it has ourselves. To be individual awareness. It has to be, it has to be, you stop you acknowledging when you look at a woman and you say, Oh my God, her nipples are showing through her shirt right there. You've done it. No, but I'm saying like, there are things that you find yourself. That's a huge one though. Immediately judging. And like, I wear, I don't wear a bra in public and I see people looking at me. I have these saggy. Every mammal on earth babies with. I mean, I could go off about that. But there's things like that. Like it, and even if it's a tiny fit girl or a thicky thick girl, like your judgments, acknowledge them. Say, wait a minute, where this coming from? And in, understand that, that you've been ingrained by society, by movies, by magazines, by, by, religion, by books, religion, by religion, by men, by advertisements, your whole life. It literally starts where every good change starts is with yourself and having awareness that you're doing it too and you're part of the problem. And how can I fix it? How about you, as you start to type out that comment, you stop and you say, you know what? I'm just not going to do it. And that's where change begins for you. Absolutely. And it's about, I mean, if you're looking again, last episode was all about, I shared eight tangible tools that I used to start to actually make this shift in my journey. Cause I know it feels impossible. It's not as, you know, switch that you can just flip. It's like, it's work and it's ongoing and it's always unfolding, but go back and re-listen to those tools and apply even just one. Yeah. 
you know, it's, but it's about doing our own work and understanding that there is always hope. You can always change. You can always heal. You can always become healthier. You can. And that's mental, emotional, and physical. I agree. And the, I think that my biggest thing that I always try to do when I want to change something about myself is I don't focus on it long term. I don't say every day for two years, I'm going to do this. I say tomorrow, yes. five minutes. That's it. And that's it. Small, bite size. Everything is small and bite size. That's how you attain big change. 100%. She hasn't even listened to my last podcast and she said the same exact no, thing. I really so. haven't. And she's staring at me. Whatever. <laughs> I didn't listen to your last featured podcast. Don't do it. But I'm really, gonna, I mean, I'm not Probably a no one's going to listen to this either. Oh, please. We're, I mean, how long have we gone now? Did the queen of confidence just say a self-depreciating No, comment? I mean, and you know that I'll do that occasionally too. I reserve the right for self-deprecation. <laughs> we are all human. <laughs> we are absolutely all human. I am what I am. Oh my gosh. You are what you, you are. Thank You're you perfect. for having me. Thank you for you. even asking me. I'm, I'm honored to be here. Oh, please. I'm honored it, to be the here. The honor is all mine. On the Redefine, Redefine Fitness podcast. podcast. With Kelsey Wells with Kelsey and Wells. today Larkin Kendall. Larkin Kendall. Um, that's it. I love you. Thank you. I love you too. And we love you.